listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday morning. Now, let's turn to our next topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about baby bird season and also common birds that are rescued in our city. And I'm really delighted to be joined on the program by Peter Mock, who's a senior animal supervisor at the Kaduri Farm and Botanical Gardens Fauna Conservation Department. Good morning to you, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. It's nice to be here. It's great to see you. And uh, for our listeners, I'd love for you to hop onto Facebook and this way you'll be able to see and hear Peter there as well. Now, I know you recently had a press conference uh, with your rescue team, sort of sharing the difficulties in the rescue work of uh, baby birds. Um, now, first of all, what do you mean by baby bird season? Right. So baby bird season is a term we use to describe a period within a year that most bird species in Hong Kong breed. So some people might not know, but um, most birds in Hong Kong, they don't make nests and lay eggs throughout the year. They mainly just, most for most of them, they lay eggs and uh, make the nest in early spring. So it's usually uh, late uh, March to early April. And then the baby birds would hatch in April and they would grow in the nest. And then by about September, they would be able to fly and they'd leave the nest. So baby bird season is a time we use to describe basically the period between April and September. And um, that's also the period of time where many um, forest associations around the world would advise against doing tree pruning work during this period, because if you cut down a tree or you cut down some branches, you probably destroy some bird nests. Absolutely. And uh, in Hong Kong, in city environments, another thing would advise people to not do during you know, the period of April to September would be to repair your air conditioner. Because, you know, when you have air conditioner at home, you have a machine inside and then you have a big chunk of it sticking outside the building. And a lot of birds that make nests in the city area, like sparrows or booboos, some of them like to make their nest on top of those air conditioners. So if you do air conditioner repair work during this period, it's also, there's also a chance that you might destroy some bird nests in the process. That's good advice. That's good advice. So don't repair any air conditioners and don't chop trees during this period. Now, Peter, how long does it take for the birds to sort of uh, be in the nest until they can fly? What's that period? Right. So it depends on the species. But for many songbirds, for example, from the time the first day that the eggs was laid, it it would take about two weeks for the eggs to hatch. And then the bird would stay in a, um, we call it, Hatchling kind of uh, stage for about three days where it has no feathers and its eyes is closed. And then it would start growing feathers on about day three to day four. And that would take about another two more weeks where they only had down feathers or some pins growing out of the wings. And then that is, that is the stage we call the nestling stage. So after the two weeks of nestling, it would have another two weeks of actually growing some fly feathers. We call it the fledgling stage. So Altogether, from laying an egg to um, being able to fly away, it would take at least like six, I think about six weeks, six to seven weeks okay. for normal songbirds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you sort of share um, the, the, the number of baby birds being received in the previous years with our listeners? Right. So the birds we receive um, fluctuates a little bit year to year, and the factors are, I mean, there are a lot of factors involved. And, um, just to give you a number, last year during the baby bird season, we received more than 900 baby birds in a single season. Wow. And that's actually a quiet year. The year before, in 2021, we received 1,300 baby birds in a single season. 
So this year, the baby birth season has only just started because only like early May, we've already received more than 130 baby births already. And if the number continues, continues, we believe we're going to receive more than a thousand baby births this year as well. Wow. What are some of the yeah. factors contributing to more baby birds being received or being rescued? Right. So um, there could be a lot of factors, but I mean, our rescue center is set up in 1994. And in the first couple of years, we received like a total of a couple hundred animals in total for the whole year. But in recent years, we are receiving about 2,000 to 3,000 animals every year. So not just baby birds, but any any kind of wild animals, right? So um, we could think of two main factors that could lead to this increase of animals that we receive. Um, the first one would be urban expansion. Because when the city expands, more and more people are living on the edge of the city, so in kind of a rural area, and that increases the chance of people coming across an injured wildlife. And also because of urban expansion, like when the city expands, that means the forest areas are kind of shrinking. And when forest shrinks, some animals will be forced out of the forest and try to find food and forage in the city area. And that, again, increases the chance of human crossing path with an injured wildlife. So that could be the first contributing factor is urban expansion. The second reason could be education with um, more media coverage and also more um, education you know, um, social media efforts on our side. So more and more people are getting aware of the work that our rescue center is doing. And because our wildlife rescue center is the only legal wildlife rehabilitation facilities in Hong Kong. So when people know more about the work that we do, and um, when they see an injured wildlife, they become more informed and then they're more prone to send the animals to us, which is a good thing. Yeah. Which is a good thing. So on your yeah. second point, it's not that more animals need to be rescued. I mean, the number of animals have always been the same. It's just more people are aware of it, so they know what to do. Rather than leaving the animal alone, they know that they can have a, an avenue to contact uh, the Kaduri farm uh, to, to rescue these animals. But it's also, I, I, I take your first point also, you know, because of urbanization, that perhaps more habitats are being threatened. I remember years ago, I did a series called uh, Chasing Tales, and we were talking about bats and also butterflies and that their habitats are sort of being destroyed because there were more properties being built in the new territories. Right. And yeah, it's incredible that the rate yeah. of destruction um, that can cause to these habitats. Um, now, Peter, uh, what are the types of birds that you're, you, you are rescuing? I mean, can you sort of uh, give us some, some of the, the, the common uh, birds that you're coming across here in the city? Right. So the birds that we most commonly receive are also the birds that you most often see in the in the city area. So the most um bird we see the most are the spotted doves, which are like the kind of medium sized birds that have like spotted in the neck. Around the neck. And um around the neck, yeah. So spotted doves. And then in terms of baby birds, we receive a lot of um tree sparrows and red whiskey booboos. Those are the uh the two birds that if just these two species alone accounted for about a quarter of baby birds we received last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, and also we received a lot of, like, um, house weaves and crested miners, black collar starlings, and um, basically the kind of birds that you would see in a park or in uh, on the streets when you're traveling. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I live in Kennedy Town area, and we have quite a few uh, red-whiskered birds uh, Bilbils, are they called? Bilbils. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I must, I must 
confess, my aircon doesn't drip, but there is a pool of water where my air conditioner is in the living room. And there are always two of the birds, two of the uh, red-whiskered bulls, who always will come and have a bath there. It's incredible. On a daily basis. Mm, yeah, they, they like taking baths. Yeah, they, so it's become yeah. a bit of a, a bird bath uh, um, for, for, for some of the birds in, in the area. Now, um, you mentioned just now that there's been an increase of baby birds uh, rescued in comparison with 10 years ago. What other observations do you have on, on that? Why are more birds being rescued? Well, I mean, when more people know about our work and then they're, I mean, Hong Kong people in general are very, have very good intentions and they really want to help in wildlife. And so as long as they know what the right thing to do is, they would do it, which is to, in most cases, to send it to our rescue center, which is to send it to us. And then in the past, I mean, I think like more than 10 years ago, there was a trend when people find injured birds on the streets. What they would do is, is instead of sending them to a rescue center, they would try and rehabilitate the bird themselves. And that could lead to a lot of different problems. Like, for example, you don't know the nutrition, nutritional needs for a baby bird, or if you, the bird has fracture or some kind of injuries and you don't know how to treat them, that could lead to very serious consequences and also a lot of suffering for the bird. So when people realize that um, wildlife rehabilitation is not something that anybody could just do at, at their home and you actually need professionals, you need big facilities to carry out this kind of work and yeah i think more and more people are sending birds to the rescue center now yeah peter i think you're so right i think about 20 years ago we found a bird um in in pak tam chung and it and and the mother was nowhere to be seen so my mom and i brought right. it home um and sadly the bird died after a week because uh, you know maybe it, it was sick or maybe it it was really badly injured um and it just didn't have an appetite when, when we brought it home um speaking of injuries you know w what are some of the injuries or what are the, some of the ailments uh, that can happen to baby birds but when, when you find them right so with the data of last year's show was that um interestingly about one fourth of them like a quarter of them actually had no signs of injuries or any signs of illness. And I would like to come back to it later because, I mean, come back to this point later, because there is argument that could be made that these birds actually shouldn't be sent to us. They should be left in the natural environments. But besides these birds, the most common kind of illness or injuries we see are birds that are dull or fluff. So what I mean by dull is that for a bird, a wild bird, and when, when a human approached the bird, the bird should react. Like if you try to grab it, it should resist. So a bowel bird would be a bird where you try to grab it and it doesn't move at all, or it's almost like it's sleeping. It doesn't know that you're there. So these are signs of very sick uh, wild animal. And uh, other kinds of injuries we see are, we see quite a few of fractures or subluxation of the joints, which usually happens on the wings or in the feet. Because they fall and from the height or something. Right. And also because they fall from a height, we also see quite a lot of bruising, usually in the belly or the chest area of the baby bird. And then there are also a proportion of birds we see when we found them, they're already quite cold. So in terms of body temperature, like when you touch the bird, you can feel that there's no warmth from the bird. And that's actually a very dangerous situation because birds have very high metabolic rates, especially baby birds. And if the bird What's gets to a point where it's already... Temperature? Very... What's their normal temperature, Peter? 
I don't remember the exact number. I think it's somewhere between high thirties or low forty、oh, okay. degrees so Celsius. Oh, okay, so similar to us. They, they should than, be they should be warm like us. A bit higher than human. Oh, a bit higher than higher human, than right? Oh, wow. Yeah, higher than human. So when a bird is very cold, it takes a long time for it to warm it up again, and it's sometimes when it's cold, it's already close to dying. So when people find baby birds, one thing we advise them to do is to always try to keep the bird warm. For example, you don't want to put them in a place with a very High air conditioner, or if you don't want to, basically want to keep them in a place that is at least at the same temperature as the outdoor environments. That would do a lot for the abdominal survival of the baby bird. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically the most common kind of injuries we see in our baby birds. Yeah. Speaking of the public finding、um, baby birds, you know, how should the public sort of provide help to baby birds when they see、um, one in distress? Should should they sort of leave it alone, or should they try and hold it? Or I mean, what should the public do when we see a baby bird sort of lying around? Right. So when、uh, a public find a baby bird lying on the on the floor on the ground, for example, the first thing a person can do is the most Important thing the person can do is to make a very important decision, which is to decide whether that bird needs human intervention, whether the bird needs your help. So, how to make that decision? You need to look at two things. First is、um, whether there's any signs of injuries or illness. Signs of illness is like what I just talked about, like being very dull or sleepy, or you look for any blood on the environment, any any bleeding, and any fracture. I mean, fracture is for for general public is actually hard to tell, but then given that most animals are supposed to be symmetrical on the outside, right? So you can try and compare the left side of the body to the right side of the body. So, for example, is the position of the wing very different from the position of the other wing, or if the bird is using one foot instead of using another foot? So all these are signs of possible subluxation or injuries in the bird. So when You see those injuries, then yeah, absolutely, the bird needs to be sent to a rescue center. You should send it to us. And if the bird has no injuries, then the other thing you need to look at is the age of the bird. So in in terms of baby birds, like I said, there are three different stages before they can fly, right? So for birds that are fledgling birds, which means birds that you can tell they they almost look like normal birds, but then the feathers are not fully grown. Maybe the feathers are a little bit shorter, and you can tell that they. Have very good mobility. They could walk around. They could jump around, but they couldn't fly. So, these are the birds that actually, even in nature, they're supposed to spend a few days on the ground because these are the birds that they just gain the ability to walk around. And just like children, they are curious, so they would like to explore the area around the nest. Sometimes they would jump from the nest to the branches and jump back. And sometimes during the process, they would fall to the ground. And when they do fall to the ground, that is the period of their life where they will learn to. Trying to find shelter, and also when the parents come down to the ground to feed, the parents will still feed them and also pick up food on the ground. And they would learn and observe from the parents to like what kind of food they could pick up from the floor that they could eat. So if you see a fledgling bird and that is not injured and is in a safe environment, by safe environments I mean there's no car going to hit it or there's no feral cats or feral dogs around the area, then you can actually leave that bird there. Is it where it should be in the natural environment? But if you see birds that are younger, which means、um, the nestling or the hatchling birds, which only have down feathers or even no feathers at all, then those are the birds that actually should still be living inside the nest. So for a very whatever reason, maybe some kind of accident, they fell to the ground, and、uh, if they have no injuries, then it still needs your help. But 
the first thing you can do is not to directly send them to us, but instead you can try and look around because like I said, these birds, they couldn't move much yet. So if they you find them on the ground, you look up, the nest is probably nearby. If possible, you can try and put the bird back to the nest. Observe your personal safety first. So if you can reach the nest, then put it back. If you can't, and try and find some kind of container, put some substrates on it, like putting some leaves on the bottom of it and then put a bird in there. And you can try and put that container on the tree as high as possible and as near the original nest as possible. After that, you can try and walk away, walk away for about five to 10 meters away and then try and stay and observe for about 15 to 30 minutes and see if the parents bird will come back to feed the bird on the new nest that you built for it. Because Birds sometimes fall from the nest, even in nature, and the parents know that. And when they find that a chick is missing, they will sometimes go around in a nearby area and try to find that bird. If they could find that chick, they would feed the bird where they found it. So you can try and put the bird in an artificial nest on a tree. And if the parents come back to feed it, that's great. You can leave it there. And if they don't, then yeah, by all means, send them to us. Excellent, excellent advice, Peter. Um, and, and on this note, how can our listeners find out more, a little bit more about your work at uh, the Kaduri Farm and the Botanical Garden? Have you got a web page and are you on social media? I am not on social media, but the farm is on social media. You can go to kfbg.org so you can uh, find our website and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time this morning and all your sharing. We learned a lot from you. And that's Peter Mock, who's a senior animal supervisor at the KFBG's Fauna Conservation Department. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me.